Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. Thanks so much for joining us. For those of you joining for the very first time, I thank you very much. Uh, just a little bit of background on who I am and what I do. I've been covering the DC food and wine scene for the last 18 years. You may hear my husband, David, and I on Foodie and the Beast. I'm the foodie, he is the beast. Every Sunday on 1500 for the last 13 years, DC's only food and wine variety show. You may also hear me on WTOP also more radio uh, with trend reports and roundups of what's happening in the DC food and wine and hospitality scene. Uh, socially, I hope you're following me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And lastly, where it all started, the list, are you on it.com, the online zine that covers everything happening in the food, wine, and hospitality scene here in the DC metro area and now beyond uh, an industry night, uh, which I've been lucky enough to be doing for the last four years, did start out of the Line Hotel, and now we're on Real Fun DC since the Line Hotel changed everything due to the pandemic, like lots of things changed due to the pandemic. So let's talk about where I've been. Get been. Uh, you know that the last couple of weeks for me have been really crazy, um, but it's really nice to get back to normal here. Um, Last week had me out again, eating and drinking, which I had to refrain from for a little bit. Um, so I don't know if you were able to participate in this, but the team from Anju and Chico, I'm talking Danny Lee, Scott Renault, and Angel Barreto, um, they were tasked with doing a diner, quote unquote, by the American Express gold cart team. And they took over an empty parking lot and spent some major cash on making it look like an absolute outdoor diner. It was fabulous. And they created diner dishes with an Asian twist. The food was fabulous. It was very festive. And the both teams, the people who set it up and the teams who ex executed the dishes really did an outstanding job. I did take a quick ride up to New York for a little bit of work and a little bit of pleasure. Um, I had dinner at the well-regarded Trafe in Brooklyn. Chef Jason Marcus, his menu really celebrates all the foods, kosher and non. Uh, so it was hard for me not to get the pork ribs because I was dying to see what he was going to do with it. And he did it with a gorgeous strawberry lacquer with a little bit of cinnamon. Um, they were really special, but I do think the winner of the evening was his deep fried fish that you just sort of pulled apart at the table and then wrapped in lettuce leaves. Um, and then from outside, Evelina Bistro looks exactly like what you would expect a New York neighborhood restaurant to look like. It has a gorgeous little patio. It's very pretty without being too cute. Um, but this Fort Hood restaurant is a real upscale bistro. It's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and brunch. They use incredibly fresh ingredients and are not too, it's not too chefy, but everything is delicious. It's exactly what a neighborhood restaurant is supposed to be and uh, succeeds. 
so if you have a chance and you get to the Fort Hood neighborhood, I would highly recommend it. Okay, so lots of good things happening around here. Check out the calendar on the list, areyouonit.com for every event, wine tasting, dinner, and festival happening. Don't forget, this week is Food Waste Week. Area restaurants are participating in ways to show you the diner, how to eliminate food waste, not just from their kitchens, but yours as well. It's Milano Wine Week, which means lots of area restaurants are pouring delicious wines from Milan. And Shocktober opens. I think over the next couple of days, you're going to be hearing about lots of places to pick pumpkins and pick apples. And also, um, if you like being scared, let that happen to yourself. Check out openings to see the latest restaurants. Uh, La Dante from David Deshaies. Uh, it just opened their doors. It's a new Italian spot. And Chaya, the vegan restaurant in, uh, in uh, downtown in Georgetown, has opened up a secondary outpost now in Bethesda. And actually, that is a perfect segue to today's guest. Um, Tracy McCorder is a vegan change agent. She is an award-winning public health nutritionist. She is a speaker. She is a best-selling author. And she's the creator of African American Vegan Starter Guide. It is free. And there have been over 500,000 copies ordered. So I'm so excited to talk to her today, especially after I just talked about all the non-vegan ways I've been eating. But I do know, and for those of you who've known me, how important it is to have more vegetables on your plate and less protein on your plate. Uh, it is healthier for you, it is better for the climate, uh, and it's better overall. So Tracy, hi, thanks for joining us. Hi, Nikki, thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm doing great. Today's my today's my birthday. I don't know if we or we'll edit that out, but- No, we will not, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I am 55 today. Oh my goodness. Well, you look amazing. So let's, since it's your birthday, let's talk about your humble beginning. Okay. Um, well, I am from DC and I still am here. And um, I, so I was raised uh, as, a, as an omnivore. Um, I'm the youngest of uh, three girls and my mom was a healthy omnivore. Um, she wanted to raise her, she, she uh, and my father wanted to raise healthy children, my mom in particular. Um, and so we didn't have junk food in the house. We didn't have soda. We didn't have cookie jars. We didn't have candy bars. Um, we, we, had, uh, whole, we had whole wheat bread. We had skim milk and I hated it. So I had, <gasps> of course you did. Uh, yeah, of course I did. So I had cousins who had lots of junk food, right? And sodas and Captain Crunch, so I could eat all of that good stuff over there. Um, and I actually was introduced to vegetarianism in the seventh grade. I went to Sidwell Friends from third through 12th grades and my seventh grade teachers were vegetarian. I thought they were crazy. They wanted our camping trip to be vegetarian. I wrote a petition against it in seventh grade. So I was anti all of that. Right. Then by, I went to Amherst College um, for, for school uh, up in Massachusetts. And my first year there, I gained 25 pounds because I could eat all of the unhealthy stuff that I wanted. Uh -huh. So I flew right past the 15, freshman 15. 
And then um, my sophomore year, um, our Black Student Union brought Dick Gregory to campus, you know, legendary um, civil rights activist, human rights activist, and comedian. And we thought he was going to talk about the political, economic, social state of Black America. And instead, he talked about the plate of Black America and how unhealthfully most folks eat. And he made all of these, this was 1986, and he made all of these connections about food and um, systemic, um, you, you know, the, the food industrial complex that we call it now. The well, and poverty. And I mean, all you, know, you know, our socioeconomics affect a lot of how people eat. Absolutely. It affects, uh, and, and, you know, it affects everything. Um, the where you live, um, the resources that you have by design or not, you know, or don't have all of that affects every aspect of life, food and health included. And so he made, he made all of these connections. Um, and I had never heard anyone talk about food in that way. Mm. And he traced the path of a hamburger from a cow on a factory farm through the slaughterhouse to a fast food restaurant, to a clogged artery, to a heart attack. Oh and God. the reason that that really got me is because I ate hamburgers and cheeseburgers almost every day. Mm. So um, I immediately, so he spoke, he, so we didn't know, I think I should just mention this. The reason that he talked about this instead of what we brought him there to talk about, what we asked him to talk about is that by that time he had been a vegan for 20 years. He became a vegetarian in 1965 because he extended the practice of nonviolence during the civil rights movement to animals. Mm -hmm. And then in 1967, he was introduced to veganism for health reasons um, by a woman named Dr. Alvinia Fulton, who was the first, who was, who opened the first health food store and vegetarian cafe on the south side of Chicago in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. So 20 years on, he's at, he's already a vegan guru, right? And so he had been going around to colleges trying to get more Black uh, college students in particular to go vegan. And that's why he came to Amherst talking about that. And it really changed my life. I immediately gave up hamburgers and hot dogs for a week, then thought he was crazy. I couldn't do it, but it, it I couldn't get what he said out of my mind. So I just started researching. And, you know, this is 10 years before we have the internet, you know, 1986. So I just read everything. I studied what I could find. And my mother and one of my sisters did too. And, and um, within about six months to a year, we all decided to, to go vegetarian based on what we had studied. Well, let me ask you about that because, um, I mean, your mother was already ahead of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, I grew up similarly to you. Um, I grew up in New Jersey um, and uh, we did not have sugar cereals or soda uh, in the house. We didn't have a, I mean, we had baked goods, but it was like baked goods that I made or my mother made, you know, there was, there wasn't tons of junk in our house. Mm -hmm. Um, but my best friend's house always had junk, <laughs> so, you, you know, yeah. and I think, um, but we didn't talk about at the time, we didn't talk about, it was just sort of like, well, because we're not giving it to you, you're, you're learning how to eat healthy instead of really opening the conversation about, this is why we don't do this. Cause I too went to college. I'm just a couple of years behind you. I mean, in 1987, I went to school in Boston mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, I totally gained that freshman 15 for a variety of reasons and um, really struggled with understanding how food played a role in in my life and what was happening because I was a lover of food. I loved to cook. Mm-hmm. I created a little kitchen in my dorm room. You know what I mean? Like totally illegal. Um, and I loved to cook and I hosted dinner parties and stuff like that. But there was, I think I've always been obsessed with food. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't until much later educated about food because mm-hmm. it's not really talked about in elementary school. It's not really, you know, we have health, but it's, it's, it's so clinical. And because food yeah. is a joy, whether you're vegan or, or however sure. you eat, if food is a joy. I mean, it's nutrition. You're supposed to eat for your well-being, but there is pleasure in it. And I think people try to separate it all instead right. of bringing it all together. Exactly. I, I think those are really, um, those are really great points. And, you know, the USDA deter- and the food industry determine what's taught to us, right? Right. Um, in, in all the way through 12th grade, but it also, de- but they also determine what's taught to nutrition students in medical school. I have a master's degree in public health. They right. determine what's taught, right, for these schools to get to, to maintain their accreditation. Um, it's a little different now. You're able to find more plant-based, um, uh, you know, curricula, but there's not a lot. And there certainly was not a lot when I, when I went to grad school. But now, were you going to school to be, get a master's in public health? Were you looking to go that I, route? Only because, um, no, when I, when I graduated from college, I, um, I worked in the, the museum world. I actually directed a museum in DC, a national, the Mary McLeod Bethune National Historic Site. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my spare time, I, my sister and I were going around doing health demos doing vegan uh, cooking demos everywhere we could for free all over the city, right? Again, so I graduated college in 88. So this is for the first 10 years of us being vegan. Um, And so I was doing that in my spare time. And in fact, I taught the first Whole Foods, I, I gave the first vegan lecture at Whole Foods when Whole Foods came to DC. Wow, the one in, in Georgetown? Yes, absolutely. Right. That was the first one, right? I did. I had a lecture series called um, From Soul Food to Whole Food. And I went to all of the, the Whole Foods when they came, you know, uh-huh. for, for a number of years. So this is what I was doing while I had this uh, 50 to 80 hour a week museum director job. Mm-hmm. And I eventually decided to change careers because while I loved the museum art world, I loved veganism and teaching, you know, about health and nutrition more. And so mm-hmm. that's why I went to grad school. And in 1997, about 10 years into our veganism, um, my sister and I created a website that was one of the first uh, vegan websites on the internet, period. There were only, ours was the fifth. And it was the wow. first for African-Americans. It was called blackvegetarians.com. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's only because a friend of ours was an early adopter of the internet. And he said, you need a website. And we were like, okay. So, right. you know, we, and it was all educational, just all, you know, we didn't accept advertising. We didn't push products. It was just all education. It was like an online magazine in, in 97, starting then. So I just was into it in so many different ways. And so I just decided to change professions. And that's when I went to grad school at NYU and, and got a master's in public health and, and decided to pursue this. 
Um, so, um, yeah, but, but, you know, I think that you're, you know, to your point, it's hot, you know, we're, we, it's a battle, you know, it's not, but it's by design, obviously, that we, you know, that we, what we're taught in school is to, is um, what we're taught is a meat and dairy based curriculum. Mm-hmm. That's taught all over the country. And that is because that's what the USDA and the food industry want us to eat, right? And my whole thing is, if you don't have different information, you can't make informed choices. So, you know, that's the way that I approach it. Just to give people information about plant-based foods that they are not getting in these other settings, right? So that they can make, as adults, make informed choices. That's it, you know, we're grown. But if we, you know, we make our own choices, but if you don't have access to the information, you only are going to make one choice. Right. Well, so I, I totally agree with that. But now that you're here, let's talk about sort of how the world of plant, I mean, we're using the term plant-based eating as opposed to vegan, vegetarian. I mean, plant-based in the last six or seven years has totally supplanted vegan. And I think more products are using that term because it doesn't sound as, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know. People don't like the word vegan. I don't know why. It's, it's well, scares it's, them. I don't know what that is. It's, I mean, not, not to get into it, but just because I've been doing it for 35 years, they, people didn't like the term vegan either. Vegetarian right. was the umbrella term. And you could be vegan, raw foodist, uh, fruitarian, everything under the term vegetarian. And then people wanted to be, people wanted to separate what kind of plant-based eater they were. And so mm-hmm. they get vegan, vegetarian, lacto, ovo, ovo, right? And now it's plant-based and there will be something else. So sure. me, I don't, it doesn't, I just use them interchangeably. Well, so let's talk about, let's break it down a little bit for the uninitiated. What does plant-based or vegan eating mean to you? And when people come to you to change their lives, how do you, how do you go through the process with them? So I basically, the first thing I do is, um, uh, is just ask people what plant-based foods they already eat. So what, and just to get them to know that they are already eating vegan food, they're already eating plant-based foods. They just don't consider, they don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Do you eat fruit? Do you eat vegetables? Do you eat grains? Do you eat nuts? Do you eat beans? Most people say yes to all of those things. The majority of what they're eating is already plant-based, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't know that. And so that's the first thing is just to get people to, sh- to shift their mindset about the food that they're already eating. And we just want them to eat more of that, right? Mm-hmm. And healthier versions of those things. And then it becomes much easier and accessible because they're already familiar with it, right? So it's, for me, it's always finding common ground, starting, you know, it, it's cliche, but starting with people where they are is really important. And also asking people to show themselves some grace so um, however you are able, based on information, based on what you can afford, what's, what's convenient, whatever you can do, have grace with yourself and, and do that. If it takes six months, six weeks, six years, it's okay. Just stay on the journey, right? And then I explain why 
it is important to eat this way. You know, the health reasons, the, the uh, climate change reasons, the animal um, agriculture reasons, there's so many reasons that people go vegan. But it just depends on where people are and how, you know, that determines how much, um, you know, how I approach well, well, and also how you're approaching people since you've been teaching it for so long now and talking about it for so long, how has, you, I mean, you're doing all these great things. You've written books and you have uh, real initiatives. How did you, how'd you get there and how has your message evolved to now? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Um, it's just what interests me, you know what I mean? Um, uh, and I think it's because when I learned about veganism from Dick Gregory, he made all of the connections. I see it as related to so many things. So I can't just teach about it or share about it in one way. I have to talk about climate change. I have to talk about systemic um, uh, white supremacy. I have to talk about uh, patriarchy, right? I have to, you know, and I have to talk about um, animal agriculture. There are just so many, there's so many, uh, you know, exploited workers. Mm -hmm. um, all of it. There's, there's, there's so many aspects of it and they're all interrelated. Um, I talk about uh, skincare products. I talk about uh, furnishings, you know, there's, it affects all aspects of our lives. So it just depends on the audience. Um, but I've always been, I've always uh, been interested in all of these aspects of veganism. It has never just been one thing for me. And I think that's just the nature of it. I'm an activist um, by, but you know, I just, I hate injustice. And I, and, and so this is the way that I do my activism and activism, as we know, it's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. No, I, and I, I'm sort of fascinated about all the tentacles yeah. of it for you um, because sustainability is important and it does bleed into furniture. And I mean, and, and what we wear and how we, what we do in our lives um, as a way of, of living. So I, you know, I think it starts small. People think vegan and they think what's on my plate, but they're yeah. not thinking about all the other issues that you just brought up. And it can be overwhelming to think about all of those things at once. Mm -hmm. And, so, you know, this is over the course of 35 years that I've decided, you know, in, at different periods to explore different things more than others. Um, for example, my first 10 years of being vegan, I was still wearing, uh, you know, leather and, and suede and fur and wool, and I wouldn't give that up, even though I, you know, I was reading about it and I knew what was happening. I was like, mm, nope, I'm still doing it because I'm stylish and these things are not stylish. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, but, but I just kept reading about it and watching videos about the, these, you know, these food, these industries. And then finally I decided to change. And so what I tell people is that you don't have to do all things at once, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of having a race with yourself, but you can still, even when you're just trying to change the way you eat, right? Still, if you're still eating meat, you're still eating dairy, you're still eating um, fish, chicken, pork, um, duck, turkey, dairy products, still read, still watch documentaries that you can watch because it's all working in the back of your mind, right? Mm -hmm doesn't have to be, you don't have to do it all at once, but still just, um, you know, 
still just read and study, talk to people, go to meetups, immerse yourself as much as possible, and it will happen for you. Well, I think uh, an educated consumer is absolutely important. I know the changes that I've made in my own life by, you know, what I bring into my house, composting, you know, shopping at the farmer's market, buying from local farmers, working with people who, you know, do things sustainably. Um, it doesn't negate the fact that I still eat meat, but I, there are choices that I have made for my, me and my family that um, is because of the education I, I have. And I have access to that education, which really leads me to my next point. But I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your new initiative and, and, and how you're working to, um, I don't want to be the one to announce it because you're announcing it. So I'm not going to say what the initiative is called. I'm going to let you do it. And, uh, you know, how you're going to affect this change. Uh, this is Nikki Nellis. It's Industry Night on Real Fun DC. You know you can subscribe and you know you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. We'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night. Uh, Tracy McGorder, she is uh, an incredible uh, author and uh, really changing our take on how we eat. She is a vegan agent, a vegan agent of change. That's uh, that's what's in your bio, and I love that. So you have a new initiative, a public health initiative that you are putting out there. Tell us about it. So the new public initiative is called 10 Million Black Vegan Women. Mm -hmm. We are helping 1 million Black women a year go vegan over the next 10 years. So what we're trying to do is to, is to affect big, bold change quickly um, because mm -hmm. need is urgent, right? African-American women are fabulous and leaders in so many ways. We actually, there are more black women who are vegans than any other demographic. So this is not new to us. Huh. Uh, African-Americans in general, are the fastest growing vegan demographic, 8% as compared to 3% overall in the US. This mm -hmm. is the same for decades and the majority of them are women. So black women are already the face of veganism, but 8% is still a small number, right? Mm -hmm. And for the majority of us, we experience, um, we are experiencing health, a health crisis. We're experiencing high rates of diabetes, strokes, certain cancers, high blood pressure, cholesterol, heart disease. Um, and so- But can I ask you a question? And it, you do know, have this knowledge. When we talk about high diabetes, heart disease, and et cetera, in the African-American community, is it socioeconomic based or is it, uh, genetically based? It's not, it's, it's all, it's all, um, the cause of it is, you know, it's not genetic because if you look at African, traditional African societies, um, they don't have these high rates, right? Okay. So it is a, it is a, at the root, it's a product of systemic white supremacy, right? This right. is 
was created for affluent white men and then affluent white women and down the line, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it is, it is systematically created to oppress black people, people of color, black women in particular. And so that affects our education, that affects our schools, that affects our housing, um, it affects employment, it also affects food and health, right? What we have access to in our neighborhoods, where we live in our neighborhoods, how much money we make on the jobs that we have, what jobs we have, um, we're able to get, where we're educated, all of that is based on this social economic system that we live in. And so mm -hmm. this is the root, right? If you are the most oppressed, you are going to have the worst health outcomes, period. Sure. That's how that's, and if you're the most affluent, you're going to have the best resources and the best health. That's how it goes. So this is not a surprise when it comes to food and health. Um, and there's also oxidative stress, which is not talked about enough. Um, so we have these external factors that we're dealing with, right? Food availability, housing, employment, all of that stuff I just talked about. Those are stressors, right? Um, that determines what we physically have access to. Oxidative stress is, the, is what happens to us, is the wearing down of our cells, the resting of our cells prematurely because we are dealing with systemic racism on a micro and uh, a micro and macro level every day. That wears us down, right? That oxidative stress also leads to higher rates of chronic disease. So we are getting it internally and externally. You're getting it, um, and this is just you know what we are, what we have to deal with. And so, while we are fighting these systems, right? While we are resisting and organizing um, in all the ways that we have always done here, dealing with these external issues, it's also imperative for us to to um, eat the healthiest way that we can, so mm -hmm. that we this oxidative stress as well. So again. These are, these, are, these are just the ways that I approach it, right? And so these, are the, so these are the reasons, the primary reasons, these are the root causes. But of course, personal health has, personal choice has, you know, has something to do with that. Cultural diets have something to do with it. Now, um, you know, a lot of people think that soul food is, a, is a, you know, just an everyday part of, of our cultural diet. Soul food, is typically eaten for celebrations, right? It's not mm -hmm. everyday food. Um, and prior to 1968, when Martin Luther King was assassinated, the national food surveys that were done in the 50s and 60s showed that African-Americans ate the most fruits and vegetables and grains than any other uh, demographic. And the reason is that we were enslaved down south. We were, you know, we ate mostly plant-based foods, right? And after enslavement, during Reconstruction and, after, and afterwards, that's what we could afford. That's what we ate primarily. Um, and, and when we migrated to the cities um, uh, after Reconstruction, during the Great Migration, we carry these traditions forth. So we were primarily, we were eating less meat than anyone else, right? Because we couldn't afford it. We didn't have access to it. What mm -hmm. happened 
after 68, when King was assassinated and there were these rebellions across the country, fast food restaurants and the uh, federal government decided to bring chains into um, these urban areas to bring economic uh, you know, growth to basically create jobs and to quell people's desire to rebel. Mm -hmm. And you had these civil rights leaders who you know, kind of partnered with them because it was a way for the communities to have money. Right. So, ten well, it's sort of a combination of, you know, the growth of fast food, but also the growth of processed food, exactly. which again was to be, you know, it was financial gain for large corporations, exactly. but, you know, affected diets all over the place because people are eating, they're not eating fresh whole foods, they're right. eating junk. Exactly. It so this, sugar. Exactly. And so this this shift happened within 10 years when, you know, the the um the next food survey that was done in the mid 70s showed that African Americans ate the least uh fresh food, healthy um fruits and vegetables and grains. Hmm. So um you know, these are but these but you know, and there are books that have been written about it um and you know it's easily it's easily researched but you know still folks don't know this they just think you know oh we've been black folks have had these horrible diets forever and it's just not true so um, yeah and so you know once i share this with share this information um people think about well yeah my grandparents down south my relatives down south they didn't eat that much meat you know and then they start to think about how these things are actually part of tradition and culture. And um, so, yeah, you know, these are, as with anything else, there are nuances to sure. Black folks eat the way we eat. So how do you take this initiative and get it out there and <laughs> get, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, you have this 21 day vegan fresh start. Let's talk a little bit about that. And then how do you get this, nationally implanted so that more and more people, um, especially, you know, black women yeah. take this on and, and then share it with their families. Well, we, we planted the seed last year because we ran our first 21 day vegan fresh start last October. And my goal was to get 10,000 women to go online, uh, to go vegan together online. And we ended up having 15,000 women sign up. Wow. And so, and they had extraordinary success in terms of the health benefits, lower weight, lower cholesterol, um, lower blood pressure. Some women were able to get off of or reduce medications. So um, there were phenomenal results, which we expected if, if the women followed. And 82% and of the women followed the vegan diet for the entire 21 days. Um, and so, we had this, you know, this was wildly successful. And so this is what I wanted to ex exponentially duplicate. And I know that uh, 10 million is a huge number, but I, but there are 20 million black women and girls in the country. And we, and we, I really could say 20 million. I mean, I, it's really, it, it's really important not to tiptoe around this issue and to just, you know, kind of, um, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, Black women in particular have the most to gain from eating a healthy plant-based diet because we have the worst health outcomes. We need to be focused on, we need to be centered, and 
um, we need initiatives that specifically say we are helping you go vegan. And these right. are the, and that's what this initiative does. Well, I, I listen, I, you have totally laid the foundation for why this initiative is so important. Um, my question is, is, and we sort of touched on, we sort of touched on it uh, when we um, were talking about the changes in eating um, with fast food and et cetera. There, one of the big changes in plant-based eating, um, and I see it in restaurants, you know, 10 years, if I, 10 years ago, if I was in a restaurant and I said to a chef, oh, I'm with somebody and they're a vegan, the chef would roll his eyes and be like, I'll get him some pasta, you know, or here are the carrots. Uh, it's, it's a joke that I say a lot because there was not a lot of intention when it came to serving people who did not eat meat. 10 years later, that's a total change. Not only are there terrific restaurants, but restaurants that cater to everybody mm -hmm. now have really thoughtful, well curated uh, dishes um, that are beautifully executed, flavorful, and using the best ingredients, et cetera. But what goes along with that is commerce, right? So now we're seeing more and more, uh, it's just like organic or natural or whatever, more and more things being said they're plant-based or they're uh, you know, vegan. And my question to you is, is that some of it is processed. Mm -hmm. And so how do we navigate the marketing mm -hmm. of plant-based eating versus the health of it? Right. Well, um, I promote a whole food plant-based diet, right? It's the healthiest way to eat and it's also the cheapest way to eat. And I'm encouraging, promoting people cooking most of their food and eating mostly from home. And so if you are, if your ingredients are typically going to be whole food plant-based, you're going to be beans and grains and nuts and fruits and vegetables and spices, seasonings, right? These foods, and so people need recipes so that they know what to do with these ingredients, but these, but this is what we are promoting. You know, you can make familiar dishes using these healthier ingredients. So I don't promote processed foods. Um, so that's just my, that's the way I do it. And most vegan cookbooks out here actually do use processed foods. My cookbooks don't, but this is just, this is the way that I have been vegan for the last 35 years and it has worked for me. And as a public health nutritionist, I know it's the healthiest way. Um, that being said, when I first transitioned 35 years ago, I did eat some processed food. So I ate what, you know, the vegan versions of cheese and which were horrible. That, right. Um, you know, they're the still not great. They're still not great. <laughs> there, are, there are more though that are, that are good. Um, but, you know, so I understand the need to kind of have these, what I call bridge foods, right? They're familiar um, tastes and textures. Mm -hmm. And if people need that, um, then, I, then I see it as a way for them to cross over, but not as a healthy place to stay. Right. That's I think that's point. excellent, excellent. If that appeals to me. Do you know what I mean? Because I have to be honest, I think for me personally, um, I mean, I could go days without touching meat and, you know, in my diet, um, but cheese is my, cheese is my hard one. Yeah, that was mine too. You know, it's the, I, I really, I could probably go out with all protein other than cheese. Like cheese, I just, I love it, man. I just can't help it. 
<laughs> yeah, it took, me about a year, it took me about a year to let go of cheese. It was, it was mind over matter, for sure. I bet. All right, so let's talk about your books and where people can find them. And let's talk about this initiative and how people can get on board. Great. So um, starting with the initiative, um, they, you know, we have this free 21 day vegan fresh start. That's how we bring folks in. That's what we want. That's what we want folks to sign up for. And they can go to 10 million blackveganwomen.org, get all the information and sign up um, and go from there. And um, in, in terms of, and the recipes that we use for our meal plans, are based on my Ageless Vegan Cookbook, which is my latest book that I wrote with my mom, who's also vegan. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my other book is by Any Greens Necessary. And then there's also the African American Vegan Starter Guide. And those are available wherever, um, the two books are available wherever books are sold. The guide is available at AfricanAmericanVeganStarterGuide.com. Excellent. And where can we find you on Instagram? By Any Greens Necessary. I love that name. That's great. That's where you can find me. You can find out about 10 million Black vegan women at 10 million BVW. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and uh, for sharing your story and your journey and for um, really explaining to uh, everybody how important this is. Um, and I, I it's amazing to me and I learned so much today. So Tracy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Nikki. I really appreciate it. Well, a big thank you to Tracy McCorder. Uh, she really is a change agent for those who want to eat differently and she is full of information. And uh, please check out her website and check her out on Instagram to uh, Stay up to date with all of her initiatives because she's doing amazing, amazing work. I want to thank you so much for joining me on Industry Night. Don't forget to follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, tune in here every week on Real Fun DC. Uh, be safe out there. If you haven't been vaccinated, I don't know what your problem is, but please do so. And as always, be kind to your server. And to all the people in the hospitality industry, they're working really hard. Uh, so thank you for joining me and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis, Real Fun DC.